0: This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of different tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com forward slash B-E. That's IXL.com forward slash B-E.
1: Teal Talk Radio, Season 7, Episode 27. Welcome to season seven episode 27 of tl talk radio i'm lynn Funy
2: and i'm randy zigenfus today we're speaking with philip DeTouri, director of education for phi cycle mathematics philip has taught and inspired educators and children for over 20 years he's an educational consultant and served as a visiting professor at fordham university he was also a teacher instructional coach and chairperson of the mathematics department at new design high school in lower manhattan while in public school, he was a three-time Math for America master teacher and Big Apple Award finalist. Phil has a BA in mathematics from NYU and a PhD in mathematics education from Columbia University. Financial Lifecycle Education is a nonprofit organization dedicated to ensuring every student has access to knowledge of the financial concepts necessary to live a prosperous life and the math skills needed to grasp those concepts and put them into practice.
1: Welcome to the podcast, Philip.
3: Thanks so much. It's a pleasure to be here.
1: Great to have you. So let's get our conversation started with a personal story about how you became interested in teaching high school students about financial literacy.
3: Yeah. So if you know math teachers, you know that every math teacher has a specific way they like to answer the question, when am I going to use this in life? And most math teachers who've been in the game for a couple of years have a collection of responses. I suspect that the need for this is really describing a failing in our approach to mathematics education. Uh, When I was a classroom teacher, I was all about relevant real world examples, student-centered tasks, modeling, collaborative learning, and trying to place math in the context where students could connect with it and see how fun it was. And I found that the more I engaged my students in these ways, the less they asked these questions. So when I met Andrew Davison, our founder and the one who first conceived of our curriculum and our approach to teaching algebra and personal finance, he was really excited about a lot of the same things and really articulate about how he believed combining mathematics and personal finance could solve a lot of the problems that we saw in mathematics education. So I started working with Andy and Jack Marley Payne, uh, the director of research on our curriculum. And the more I worked on it, the more obvious it became to me that it was a fantastic approach to teaching both algebra and financial literacy. Having been in somewhat of a leadership role in education in my school, I also knew that logistically it was really important that by combining math and personal finance instruction, we didn't require adding an extra period to the day. When I was a teacher, I was always advocating for more math. um, And I knew that the opportunity cost of creating more courses wasn't, isn't something that a lot of schools have the luxury of.
2: So I connect with um, what you said earlier, sort of the why, <laughs> like, why are we doing this? So what's, what's the big why be- behind the financial life cycle education? Why
3: is that important for high school learners? What's the why there? So I guess I should say that Phi Cycle is a math course, right? We teach math and it, while providing a theoretically grounded introduction to finance. So I think it's important because Phi Cycle, the math we teach, makes sense to students, it matters, and it helps to make a difference. So it makes sense because we're taking algebra and we're putting it into a relevant real world context, which really puts an end to the question, when am I gonna use this in life? The need to ask that question is an issue. Um, It should be somewhat self-evident. In fact, many of the tools of algebra were developed to meet the needs of finance. So when teaching, you find that the underlying concepts and the essential understandings, if you'll let me use a little education talk, um, are really mutually reinforcing. So, a simple example could be that understanding exponential growth is one of the essential understandings needed to understand the power of investing over the long term. Uh, it really matters because it enhances equitable access to key skills for lifelong success with math and personal finance. And that's really important because in our society, math and finance serve as gatekeepers to success. Even if you're successful in other areas, you need to be literate in these areas. And and we know from research that this is an issue. If you consider that, um, and these are pre-pandemic numbers, so things are probably worse now, but fewer than 40% of high school graduates in 2019 were considered ready for college level math work as measured by the ACT mathematics scores. Um, And we know that there has been uh, less achievement in mathematics since the pandemic started Uh, If you think about the finance side, we know that 40% of Americans don't have $400 to cover emergency expenses. And since that research was done, we had the pandemic and many Americans were faced with such an emergency. So uh, it it really matters that people know and learn about these important skills. Um, And and finally, it makes a difference. And we know that because our research-backed approach demonstrates the efficacy of teaching these topics in tandem. Um, simply put you know, our approach works. Um, and I, I have the luxury of going and observing and meeting with a lot of our teachers and students and principals who use the curriculum. And I can tell you that this isn't really lost on students either. The The curriculum resonates with them. There was a principal in, in New York city, I should say, you only need four years of math in New York state uh, to graduate and students know this. So I was meeting with a principal in the Bronx one day, and he was telling me that his seniors are always trying to to, to get out of math class they want to transfer out and he said that Phi Cycle was the only math class he ever had for seniors where he had seniors trying to transfer into it uh, full well knowing they didn't know, need another year of math and so to me that that speaks volumes to the fact that they see that it, it makes sense and that it matters and that it sort of makes a difference in their lives
1: it
2: also speaks to the to the relevancy piece of it too and that the fact that human nature is we tend to gravitate towards things and we'll learn better and remember things that we find to be relevant it makes me think about how many things we put kids through in school not just in math but out out and any subject that is just not relevant at the moment at the time and so we start with we start with the curriculum we start with all this content stuff which just doesn't have any meaning and that even translates i think into like professional development that we do with teachers too like how much of it just has, is missing that relevant piece so it sounds like the phi cycle math is really the key the key piece here is that that it's relevant to kids in the moment
3: yeah you know you remind me of a quote that i'm reluctant to say because i can't remember who said it so if you're out there i'm sorry but um, I, you know, someone once said that the the biggest problem in mathematics education is we spend all our time answering questions that students never asked. Um, and that sort of reminds me of, of what you're saying, right? It's like uh, in the classroom, I was a big fan of always putting experiences first and vocabulary second. And I, and I think that's a, a sort of a in classroom example of what's happening a lot of the time, right? We, we've decided what's relevant for students without them seeing the relevance at times, and in some cases, they're questioning could actually be very perceptive um, and and maybe correct. So yeah, and and, you know, this isn't just observations. This is also the advice of big trendsetting organizations. NCTM recently published uh, a book, Catalyzing Change, where they talked specifically about the importance that students are able to use math in life to make wise decisions and that they should know about things like compound interest investments, loans. They talked specifically about schools offering courses that that help with quantitative literacy, financial mathematics, modeling, these are all things we're trying to do. And I think it resonates with students for the same reason these organizations are making these recommendations.
1: So Philip, I can really connect with what you're talking about in your course. I have a high school senior who taught himself to um, day trade during the pandemic. So Mm -hmm. got a little bored with the online learning and (laughs) picked up uh, day trading and even um, got involved in the GameStop Experience earlier, earlier, late, later last month, and um, I noticed on your on your site that you even have a life cycle, um, a five cycle analysis of the GameStop, um, and I just really connected to that because it's so it's so current and it's so um, interesting for kids. First of all, it connects to a gaming company, um, and second of all, it's it's very timely. And um, the the teenagers were you know very involved in the Reddit. <laughs> that movement. Um, So what are some of the other components of your courses that are really um, relevant or important or that you see sort of differentiate this course from others?
3: uh yeah i guess first let me say just because you mentioned it that you should definitely go and download that free lesson and show it to your son sounds like the perfect opportunity yeah, I will to do so. do
1: it. i'll send it to him and he will have you know looked at it by 11 o'clock and decided whether or not it was worth his time i'm sure yeah yeah <laughs> he's well, very interested
3: if nothing else you know it's not it's not going to tell him what he should do uh, that's not really our approach but what it will do is help him really understand what that number what what is the evaluation of a company how do you value a company and uh, what's happening right now with those stocks versus the sort classical way we value them is really, there's some really interesting math there to think about. Uh, but so, yeah, so our, comp- our our course and our program is first and foremost, a math curriculum. And I say that because the financial literacy gets people excited and it's really important and, and it is exciting and motivating, but it's also really important to know that we're hitting all the common core standards for math. And it's roughly at the level of algebra two. Uh, it is, I think something that's really important about it that distinguishes it from other financial literacy that I've seen out there is that it is theoretically grounded in a Nobel Prize winning economic theory by someone named Franco Magdigliani. He had this theory called the life cycle hypothesis of saving. And that theory says that in order to really understand your financial life or your financial life cycle, you need to understand that there's two things going on, you, that you can transfer consumption across time. And that whenever you do that, you, there's some measure of uncertainty and risk. So to explain it a little bit more, just so you can understand how that connects to algebra, the transferring of consumption across time means that I understand that when I'm a, a young man, I can transfer money to my future self in the form of a loan or retirement funds, sorry, in the form of retirement. Uh, and I can transfer money from my future self to my present self in the form of a loan. Uh, so that allows me to take my, my, my consumption, my wealth, and transfer it through time. And that whenever I do that, I incur some risk. So through the transfer of consumption, we encounter the mathematics of functions and exponents and logarithms and all sorts of stuff related to exponential growth and the transfer of consumption across time. When we're managing uncertainty, now we're looking at things like probability, risk, statistics. So what we've done is we've taken this theory and we've hung on it the mathematics that students need to master as they go through high school algebra. So in the end, we have a standards aligned, project-based, student-centered, malleable curriculum. Uh, I mentioned it's malle- malleable because I believe that's a really important component. Teachers use it from all over the country with students of various age groups and different skill levels. And you know, while I've said a couple times it's aligned to algebra too, we offer lots of differentiation such that There are schools currently using it as a way to remediate algebra one uh, while also teaching some some important life skills. And there are also schools using it for students who've already taken calculus as a kind of elective. And there's indeed plenty of opportunities to differentiate up and to differentiate down based on students' backgrounds. Uh, But I think, I guess the most important component which I've alluded to, and the thing that gets me excited about it, and the thing that I see teachers when I meet with them, they come back to me and they're really excited about it is that It is both rigorous and engaging. And so students find it motivating. Um, You know, sometimes in in ways that seem silly to me, like I was sitting next to a girl in Brooklyn, we were doing an observation of one of our classes, and it's an algebra two class. And the girl leans into me and I asked her, how's it going? You know, do you understand this? Do you like the course? And she goes, yeah, I I really like this math. I haven't always liked math, but I like this math. And later in conversation with that teacher, I find out that she's a repeater. She's repeating algebra, and she's studying the exact same math. The difference was that it was placed in a relevant context in a student-centered curriculum project-based course where the student could see the relevance of it to her life and how the math sort of fit into the rest of the world that she already knew. So I think that's probably the most important component of the program is, is the way it is motivating to students while being rigorous around the mathematics.
2: And just hearing you talk about this is, makes me motivated to actually want to learn math. <laughs> and I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm not, not a math person. I mean, that's like really bad language to use, but math is not one of my fortes, let's put it that way. But the idea of connecting it to something that's relevant um, and that it's Algebra 2, too, that's, I've oftentimes thought, you know, how relevant is Algebra 2, really, <laughs> especially for <laughs> every kid. So you seem to have sort of uh, cracked that code and making that... Uh, math subject very relevant to our kids. So if I'm a listener and I'm intrigued by this conversation here, how do I learn more?
3: Uh, That's great. So the easiest way is to just check out our webpage. It's www.ficycle.org. That's F-I-C-Y-C-L-E.org. And there you can download sample lessons. You can check out our research. You can get more information you can see uh, other stuff that we're up to. You can also email us at info at Or if you are intrigued by something I said and feel like reaching out to me directly, you can email me at phil at uh, P-H-I-L. And you can check us out in the community. We're very active. We regularly present our research and our work at numerous conferences and organizations. And we, we're unique, I think, because we live in both the math education world and the personal finance world. So you can, you can often find us presenting and offering workshops at uh, NCTM, uh, the National Council of Teachers of Mathematics, both their regional and international conferences, at the International Museum of Mathematics, at Math for America, at the Council of Economic Education's Financial Literacy and Economic Education Conference, ASSA, AERA. We're, we're all over the place trying to, trying to spread this important work and sort of get the word out there.
1: All right. Well, thank you so much for sharing um, some ways for our listeners to get connected with you. Uh, before we ask you what you're working on next, we have a few rapid response questions. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right, great. First question, who is one expert our listeners should connect with to learn more about financial literacy?
3: The work we're doing is unique, so we don't have a single expert we recommend. We re- You really need a variety of views. That said, the CFPB, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, is an excellent resource. They have a consumer tools resource at consumerfinance.gov slash consumer-tools. We're not affiliated with them in any way, but a really wonderful resource for people who are interested in this kind of stuff.
1: All right, we will add that to the show notes. So our listeners can take a look. If you were recommending a book to our listeners, what might that book be?
3: So for those who are really thinking, oh, I wish I had financial literacy education in my life, uh, I, I would say a, a good, book that gives you some straightforward advice on how to think about financial decisions would be Carl Richard, The One-Page Financial Plan, A Simple Way to Be Smart About Your Money. Uh, But more generally, I recently read and loved uh, Thinking Fast and Slow by Daniel Kahneman. Uh, It is relevant to our work, uh, but it's a little bit more broad. Some people might think it's dry as he presents a lot of research. Uh, I thought it was pretty amazing. It's all about his research on cognitive bias, his work on prospect theory, some research on happiness. And he convinced me that people aren't necessarily rational, which I thought was pretty interesting.
1: <laughs> that sounds kind of scary, actually. <laughs> a little scary,
3: but also interesting. I could tell from the, if you're going to say that, you'd love the book.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Well, that's not one I've seen. Randy, have you read that one?
3: I have not,
2: no. Okay.
1: And what online site, resource, or person do you learn from regularly?
3: Yeah, so, you know, that's a, a big part of our job as an organization is that we're always looking for new research and data on financial literacy and mathematics education. So, for that reason, the Global Financial Literacy Excellence Center, often referred to as GFLEC, or FINRA, the Financial Industry Regulatory Authority, are wonderful resources. Uh, They produce really relevant and important research that helps inform our work. And we try to work with them and partner with them whenever possible. Uh, But as for an individual, I have to give credit to my colleague, Jack Marley Payne. He's someone I learn a lot from. He's the director of research at Financial Lifecycle Education. And he engages in research not only on our curriculum to show its efficacy, but also more generally around issues surrounding our work. Plus he's just a super interesting guy. He has a background in philosophy. He's fun to talk to. I like his taste in TV. (laughs) (laughs) But but again, we learn a lot from our research and Jack spearheads that, so uh, very informed by that.
1: Excellent, we'll add that connection as well.
2: All right, so to wrap up the conversation, Philip, what's next for you? What are you working on that you'd like to share with our listeners?
3: Yeah, so um, prior prior to talking with you guys, we have a a lot of presentations coming up. Uh, It's conference season. So we're gonna be presenting at NCTM's national conference in about a month. Uh, We have three presentations this time around. I will be presenting on a manipulative that we developed to help teach logarithms, came up through the context of our course, uh, something I presented recently at the International Museum of Mathematics. So definitely look out for me there and look out for us. Uh, uh, Andy, Andrew Davidson, Jack marley Payne, and myself were all presenting some work we do here at Phi Cycle. And then in terms of our curriculum, we're currently building out our materials so that it can be used more extensively in other areas. So while, you know, we really targeted high school algebra, we've had just an immense amount of interest from both undergraduate programs, middle school programs, after school programs. So we're trying to build out our, our materials so that they can be used in middle school and undergraduate programs. And I'm trying to think critically about how we can adopt our materials and create an after-school program for schools that really want to teach students and engage them in this important work, but don't necessarily have the capacity to change their curriculum at this point. Um, So a way for schools to sort of dip their toes in.
1: Yeah, appreciate that sort of sensitivity to the operational side of people want to do it, but it's not that easy to implement a new course. So how do you pull some materials or um, start slowly and then build capacity to do that work?
3: Yeah, it's it's interesting you say that actually, a big component, something I haven't said today, is a big component of our program is is that we do a lot of teacher training. We assume that you know math if you're a math teacher, but that you've never, uh, you don't know the finance. And so something else I'm engaging in these days is I'm meeting a lot with teachers for our mid-year professional development on that stuff.
1: Great, well, thank you so much for joining us today, Philip. Um, To learn more about Philip's work, you can visit the show notes. There are a variety of links there to the books and people whom Philip suggested you connect with. Each episode, we leave you with a question to think about with the idea of provoking reflection and conversation. This episode's question, how are we preparing our learners for their financial future? If you've enjoyed this episode, would like to comment or check out the resources shared today visit the show notes and look for season seven, episode 27. That's all for this episode. We'll be back next week with another conversation featuring other innovative thought leaders. Thanks again, Philip.
3: Thanks, Philip. Thank you so much. It was real fun talking to you both. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.